today we have Philippa who's going to come and uh, continue in our series in John's Gospel. And uh, if you are just joining us at the moment, it's a great time to join. Over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of had a little bit of an introduction, really, to John's uh, Gospel, and we've been looking at chapter one. And, uh, and now we're going to begin just a few weeks, kind of running through into the summer, looking at some of the amazing encounters that we read about in John's Gospel that Jesus has uh, with people, and uh, Philippa's going to introduce us to the first one. So can we hear it? A little bit of appreciation and love for Philippa as she comes and speaks to us. Thank you. Things have changed since I was last here. Look at this little setup: a glass of water, some chocolate, that's nice. Hi, great to be with you. My name's Philippa. Um, I'm on team here at SPS. I'm an ordinand, which means I'm uh, training to be a priest, but I'm currently on maternity leave. Um, so since the last time you saw me, I've created a whole new human being. <laughs> so I'm pretty proud of myself for that. Um, her name's Phoebe. Uh, she's over there. Uh, she's just brought an incredible amount of joy to our family. Uh, Phoebe means bright and shining, and she's just full of brightness and joy and smiles, and she's rolled over this week. Um, so, you know, you celebrate these things when they're three months old, rolling over is a really big deal. So that's what I've been doing, um, but it's amazing to be back with you all this morning, bringing the word to you. I love doing this. Uh, so when Phil asked me to do it, I jumped at the opportunity. So thank you for inviting me to come, even though I'm on leave, not on holiday. Um, <laughs> Also just want to say thanks to Simon for um, the last couple of weeks for setting us off with this um, incredible series that we're on looking through the Gospel of John. Uh, if you haven't been here, do catch up on the podcast. Um, it's been an incredible time, just even as we've been learning about what the Gospel of John is all about. And Simon's been reminding us, showing us um, that the Gospel of John is this incredible book where we see these snapshots this series of events and conversations in Jesus' life. Um, and it's a beautifully written, romantic story of all of these different conversations, these different things that Jesus gets up to, a selection of miracles that he does. What, he was, what Jesus was doing, what he was talking to, this whole gospel helps us, reminds us how to fall in love with Jesus all over again, or maybe for the first time, if you don't know him for yourself yet. So that's what I've been really enjoying so far about the Gospel of John as I've been living in it and uh, breathing it in, trying to uh, flick back through it again. I've just been falling in love with Jesus all over again as I've been looking at the different events and conversations that he went through in his life. So it's been a special time. So thank you, Simon, for starting us off on that. Um, today, we're going to be looking at the first miracle that Jesus is recorded to have done, uh, which is turning water into wine. Uh, it's a very famous one. If you grew up in Sunday school, I'm sure you have heard of it before. If you haven't, it's a great story, so let's dig into it. Um, so if you want to turn to John chapter 2, that's where we're going to be starting today. So on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. 
So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. I'd like to include that last verse, even though it's sort of not really that relevant to the story, because that's exactly what it's been like looking at the Gospel of John already. Jesus went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, his disciples. They stayed there for a few days. That's the kind of tone of the Gospel of John that we get. We just get these little insights. You know, we get to meet Jesus' mum in this story. We get to see what he was like, what his character was like. So Jesus and his disciples, they've been invited to a wedding in Galilee in, at the time. It would have been a massive affair. The whole village would have been invited. Uh, it would have been a week-long event. Thousands of people, hundreds of people maybe. Um, lots of wine consumed throughout the week and a massive celebration, a huge community event. And then disaster strikes, embarrassing, awkward. The wine's run out. We're halfway through the celebration. There's no more wine. And I love this part of the story where Jesus' mum makes him sort it out. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of experience with your mum or as a mum, where all of a sudden there's a problem and you're expected to go and fix it because your mum says so. It doesn't matter that it's not the right time or it's not in your plan. Your mum says it. And so you have to go and do it. And I just love that little insight into Jesus' life. Mum says, so let's go do it. I don't know that Mary knew exactly what Jesus was going to do, but I think she knew what he was capable of doing. Um, so I love that little insight. Jesus does this incredible miracle where he takes six huge jars of water that would have been used for ceremonial washing by the Jewish people as they came to worship, would have used this water to wash themselves clean, to enter in, to worship God. And as they scoop it out, it turns into wine, not just any old wine, but the most incredible, delicious, choice wine that blesses all the people so the party can continue. And this is one of those stories that the commentators really wrestle with. They get really cross with it because they don't understand why it needs to be included. Why did Jesus need to start off his ministry? He turns 30, he rocks up at a wedding. You would think he would start off his ministry with an amazing sermon. Or you'd think he'd start off his ministry with a huge outpouring where he would heal a bunch of people. But here we see Jesus starting his ministry at a wedding with his mates, drinking wine. Why? What's that all about? Why is the first miracle that we see Jesus do turning water into wine so that everyone can have a good time? What is the significance of that? It's an amazing story that the commentators wrestle with and try and figure out. Why of all things is this Jesus' first public miracle? And so what I wanted to talk about today 
and something that God has really been speaking to me about is the word abundance. So abundance is this word that means, we talk about it a lot, um, it means like overflow. When you have something in abundance, it means you have it to the point of overwhelm in a good way. You have so much of it that it just flows out of you. And every time I pray and every time I come to scriptures at the moment, this word is buzzing around my head, abundance, abundance. And I think it's for us this morning in this story. And I think we see abundance in our lives, the abundance of God's blessing in our lives. We see it in a number of different ways, in two ways. So that's what I wanted to talk about this morning. We see abundance, firstly, in small ways, in the small events in our lives. And then later, we see abundance in the huge things. And that's what I'll come to talk about a little bit later. But firstly, we see this abundance. We see abundance in the small things. It would have been a massive cause of huge embarrassment to the host of the wedding that the wine had run out. All of these people are gathered who you've invited, and everyone would have been there. It was like a huge deal to turn down a wedding invitation. Everybody would have been there. Can you imagine the whisper going round? There's no more wine. It's awkward. It would have been really, really embarrassing. Why does Jesus care about that? I think that's what this story shows us. Jesus cares about these little things that have a big impact on our lives. You know, Jesus cares about those tiny things that happen in our lives that sometimes cause a huge impact. And often, these are the places where we see God pouring out his abundant blessing on us in these small ways. You know, Simon talked last week about ending up with a brand new iPhone. Why does God do things like that? Why does it matter? When I was um, 18, I moved down to London to start my gap year, because that's what every good Christian does. And um, I was going to change the world, by the way, so I'm still waiting on that one. But I moved down to London, and I um, came to do a gap year with a Christian organization, uh, which I had the privilege of paying for to do free labor for a year. And... Um, so I had to raise the money to do what I needed to do. You could start the year with a certain amount of the money, but by the end of the year, you needed to have paid all the money. So I'd paid about half of the money I needed to pay by the time I started the program, and I sort of was paying little bits as I went. Uh, but it got to around this time then, uh, 10 years ago, yikes. It got to around this time 10 years ago, and it had just been my birthday, and I, there was a certain amount of money that I owed to pay for the rest of the gap year. And um, they were starting to get, come on, you need to pay it now. And I received that amount of money as birthday money. My birthday is in June. Uh, I received that amount of money as birthday money. So I was thanking God, thank you, Lord, for providing for me, for giving me this money that I need to pay off the gap year. That's so brilliant. Thank you, Lord. And then the next day, a check came through the door from somebody who'd been supporting me financially throughout uh, she didn't know that I needed any more money, um, but she felt that she had needed to send me this check. And it was a check for the exact amount of money that I needed to pay off the gap year. And I just felt the most incredible blessing at that point, because not only did God care about me enough to give me you know, the money that I needed to pay off the thing I felt he was calling me to do at that time, but I got to have birthday money. 
you know, I got to go out and have dinner with my friends that I couldn't, you know, when I was on my gap year, I was living on the tiniest amount of money. Sometimes my housemate and I would like live on a bag of brown rice for like a few days before the money came in again. So I got to go and have dinner with my friends and go to the cinema and do all those things you want to do when it's your birthday. Not only did I get to pay off the amount of money that I needed to pay off, but I got to go and have fun with my friends. And that story always sticks with me because it just reminds me, again, of God's abundance. God going above and beyond to bless me with things that seem small but have a huge impact. And I think that's what we see here. You know, wine is one of those things, isn't it? You know, I'm aware that maybe some of us have difficult relationships with alcohol, but wine is one of those things that generally at an event, at a family thing or at a party or at a wedding, for whatever reason, when the wine is on the table, it brings the family together. You know, it brings unity. I'm sure you've been at this wedding. Uh, I've been at this wedding a couple of times where you look at the names that you're going to be sitting by when you look at the table plan and you're like, oh no not them. Or, oh no, I don't know those people. This is going to be awkward. And you sit down at the table. Where are you from? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. But then the wine flows and all of a sudden there's chatter, there's unity, there's conversation. I'm not saying we need to rely on wine for those things, by the way. But there's something about the abundance of this wine at this time that shows us God's abundant love for us, where he would bless us in the small ways. He would bless us in ways that bring unity, that save us from that embarrassment of running out of the things that we need. God blesses us abundantly in the small things that seem like big things. But you know, this story, it's not just about Jesus doing his best party trick. You know, it's incredible, isn't it, that Jesus can turn water into wine. It's one of those famous ones that even people who uh, don't necessarily know the Bible, they know that story. It's one of those ones that gets sort of talked about and joked about a lot. Why did Jesus begin his ministry with that particular miracle of all the things? And I think what Jesus is doing And what John is doing by writing this story into the beginning of his gospel is he's showing us the abundant love, the abundant blessing that God is about to pour out on his people through Jesus and through his death. The symbol of the wine is the most incredible symbol that we still use today, don't we? As we come forward, as we take communion, We use wine as a symbol to remind ourselves of the blood that Jesus poured out generously for us, abundantly for us. And so in this story, we see Jesus do the most incredible miracle where he takes the water that the people have been trying desperately to make themselves clean with, to wash away the things that are causing them to be separate from God with, this water that they've been using to wash themselves clean with, and he's replaced it with abundant amounts of wine. I worked it out. It was something like nearly 2,000 bottles of wine, like our equivalent bottles of wine, abundant amounts of wine. And what he's showing us is his abundant love through his blood. As he begins his ministry, it's this incredible symbol of the blood that will be shed for the people and for us. You know, as Jesus took gallons and gallons of water set aside 
for ceremonial washing and transformed it into gallants and gardens of wine to bless those at a wedding. It's a foretaste, just a picture, just a symbol of the generous gift of his blood, which he would generously pour out. He replaces the gallons and gallons of water with gallons and gallons of his love and of his mercy and of his grace as his blood is symbolized through that wine. And as the wine comes out, an incredible party breaks out. What an amazing symbol of the ministry that Jesus is about to step into. Gallons and gallons of his love and his mercy. It's an amazing picture that we see. And it reminds us, doesn't it, as well, of the things that we try and do to make ourselves feel clean, the things that we try and do to make ourselves feel worthy, to make ourselves feel good, to make ourselves feel as if we deserve the love that God is trying to pour out on us. You know, I don't know what attitude you've come to church with this morning, whether you're feeling worthy, whether you're feeling worth it, whether you're feeling as if you deserve the love that God wants to pour out on you. But what Jesus wants to remind us of this morning is that he has done it. He has poured out his blood for us so that we don't need to come worthy. We don't need to scrub ourselves clean because the blood that he has poured out has done it for us already before we even walked in the room this morning. Are you so thankful for the love and the blood that Jesus poured out for us, the grace and the mercy? What an incredible picture we see as Jesus turns that water into wine. The other picture of abundance that we see is the guests of the wedding as they turn to the host and they say, wow, normally people save the rubbish wine till later because no one notices by then. But you've saved the best wine for now. You've saved the best wine for now. And there's an image there of God's abundance. God has given us in Jesus his absolute best There's nothing better that God could have given us, nothing better that he could have poured out for us than Jesus, than his son. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for our sin, making us blameless through his blamelessness, making us spotless through his spotlessness. You know, Jesus wasn't a scrabbled together plan as everything went wrong. Jesus was and is God's absolute best, his son, his beloved son. You know, as he says when Jesus is baptized, his beloved son who God loves and yet gave for us in his abundant generosity. God saved his best till last. In 1 Peter, it says this, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. It wasn't with valuable things that we perceive as valuable, gold or silver, that we were redeemed, but it was with the very best with the blood of Jesus, God's perfect son, that he freely gave without hesitation for us so that his blood could be poured out as an abundant, abundant, huge blessing to each one of us. Maybe that's something you know this morning, and maybe that's something that you are being reminded of as I talk, because it's always good to talk about Jesus giving his life for us, isn't it? But maybe that's something that you're hearing for the first time or is making sense for you for the first time this morning as well. And that's really important. 
you know, this morning, as I was brushing my teeth, we are at that point in our toothpaste where we're having that unspoken battle. Those of you who are married or have housemates may be aware of this battle, where you don't want to be the one to get the new toothpaste out the cupboard. So we are squeezing the very, very last bits each time we brush our teeth, to the point, you know, where you have to unscrew the squeezy top and put your toothbrush in the top of the tooth. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about here? Is that just us? Okay, maybe we need to seek guidance for that. And as I was trying to get the last tiny bits out of the toothpaste this morning, it was like God was saying to me that some of us feel like that's what God's blessing is like. Like we have to squeeze and push the tiny, tiny bits just to get the tiniest bit out of the top. We have to strive and struggle, you know. We have to take the toothbrush and glide it along the thing so that we can get the tiniest bit out. But God is saying to us this morning, that is not what my blessings are like. I am blessing you and I continue to bless you abundantly. Maybe there are small things in your life where you are asking for God's blessing and you're not seeing abundance. But what God is saying to you this morning is, I have given you my blessing in overflowing abundance because I gave you my best. I gave you my son. No longer do you have to struggle and strive to make yourself clean to come into my presence because I've poured out my blood for you. It's an incredible, abundant blessing. So there are two responses for us this morning, I think. Maybe you're feeling as if you're struggling and striving to see that tiny bit of blessing, and you're not feeling the sense of abundance that I'm talking about right now. I want to challenge you that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and reminding us of the abundant blessing that he has poured out to each one of us in his Son. Or maybe you have not understood before how huge the abundance of God's blessing is. And for the first time you're seeing that the gift of Jesus to each one of us in this story as he turns water into wine, reminding us that to come he's going to turn sacrifice into joy and grace and peace and mercy for each one of us.